welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb, and I have been getting over an illness, and we have a, a tragic conclusion to your story of potential cat ownership. Nothing happened to the cat. The cat's fine. But, dude, I, I've been getting my ass kicked because it got really cold really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I sound weird or what, but, yeah, not not great. It's been a while since I've like actually been kind of sick or whatever. And it going from like 90 to 40 just meant that I had a very bad cold. Well, first, I'm sorry to hear that. And uh, I feel like I'm I'm always sick now, which is weird for me because I tend to, to be very healthy. So I am I am empathetic. It's terrible to be sick. It's hard to record podcasts when you're sick. So I appreciate you showing up to bring the fire for this episode of the Arena Deckless podcast. Okay, I guess I have to talk about the cat situation. You have to. So, as I have been reporting throughout this entire ordeal, this cat belongs to someone. Like, it, it's just very clear. It's a beautiful, pretty well-groomed. I mean, we do a lot of, of brushing up the cat, and, uh, you know, it certainly has some some ticks and things because it spends a lot of time in the woods. But, you know, you look at this cat, you're like, that's a nice-looking cat. I Not mean, a wild cat. cats... Cats pretty much take care of themselves. Like they're they're good about it. Yeah, but there's like a level of roughness that comes with a completely feral or completely outdoor cat that isn't being paid any attention whatsoever. Yeah, uh, friendliness too. I mean, I, like they're a little bit harder to coax, and you know, you can you can just tell. We have other cats that hang around the property that are not like this cat. But as I've always said, this cat clearly owned by somebody. That somebody tracked us down. <laughs> it was like, have you seen our cat? Because we haven't seen him in like four or five days. Was the cat currently napping on your couch? It was. But that's incredible. It, it was. But like the, the cat doesn't spend all of its time here. Like, sure, we were letting it inside and we were giving it food. And it, it spent one night here ever. But, you know, the end of the day would come around and cat would, we'd open the door and cat would saunter off to wherever he was going. So we figured he was just going home. And turns out the cat was just not going home. So we spoke oh, to this no. person. So, so you would like open the door and the cat was basically just like, oh, I guess they're kicking me out. I Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes he would meow to get out. So it wasn't like we were throwing oh, okay. him out. But okay. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what he was doing. But so this person contacts us and we're, you know, it's, it's their cat. I, I have no grounds to stand on here. And they're like, yeah. He's Allegedly. Yeah. He's been coming by. You know, he's super friendly. We like him. We feed him. Uh, and she's like. Can you can you please not feed him anymore? Because we'd really like him to come home, and my my daughters miss him a lot. So we said, of course, no problem. I will not feed him anymore. Uh, and also, he's here right now. If you'd like to just come and and pick him up and take him home with you, uh, she said yes. That's that's very nice. Thank you. And uh, she came a little bit after that when she got off work. Picked up Sylvester is the cat's name. Turns out so. Uh, we we called him Saturday because we used to only see him on Saturdays before mm. he just started coming every day. But Sylvester is the cat's name. Picks up Sylvester, brings him home, sent us a lovely video of her daughters happy to see the cat again. And I felt pretty bad that I had monopolized the cat. So that's the conclusion. So you would think. Oh, we have more. Is this Is this stuff that I have not heard? Yeah, I haven't told you this. This cat won't leave, bro. It just comes every morning. We're not feeding it. We haven't given it food since we've spoken yep. to this person. So it just like sits at the door and meows until we let it in. We pet it for a bit. He'll go back outside. He'll sleep on that same balcony. He'll again, we'll like walk into the kitchen, just see him standing on the porch looking in at us. We'll go outside to pet him, be like, okay, time to go home now. And today we even heard these people, and it's from a distance away, calling for the cat, trying to get oh him to come God. home. And he's just sitting on our porch and he will he will not leave. He will not leave. He <laughs> really wants to live here. Uh, and it's awkward because, you know, we still want to be able to interact with the cat, but like uh, I don't I don't know. We I, I feel like we have to respect these people and their cat ownership. And uh, it's it's a very weird situation. We're not feeding the cat anymore. The cat has not been fed since we spoke spoken to the owner, but he will not leave. 
He's just here. He's. I, I promise you, if I walked out to my kitchen right now, he's just sitting on the deck staring into the house. What are you doing recording with me, man? Go pet your cat. I've been petting him all day, and I've, I've let him in a few times. He's still welcome to come in and visit if he wants. We're just not going to feed him. And he's come in a few times, and you know, he took a little nap yeah. in, the, in a sunbeam, and then he went on his way. And uh, there's a couple times today where I had to pick him up and carry him outside because he just wouldn't leave anymore. So I don't know, man. I don't know how this is going to resolve. I well, in terms of the food thing, it might be a couple days before he realizes that you're not going to feed him anymore. Right. So, it's been three days now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it takes a little bit longer than that. But uh, it's just one of those life lesson sort of things where you can't really like force a cat to do a thing that it doesn't want to do. That is true. And I don't know. It In a way, it sort of like teaches you about consent. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it sounds like- it sounds like they have, I mean, as I mentioned, they have children and they also have a dog. And the cat's just like, eh, I don't want to be here anymore. And yeah. just, just comes here instead. And I get it. And part of me is like, you know, respect the animal's autonomy. But then I see like little kids who are happy to see their cat again. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to take a stand on this particular issue. And they're they're very technically within the right, I would say, to ask us not to feed their cat. And I'm happy to respect that. But it is yeah. it is sad. I, I wish – he just feels – I mean, he's, he's so affectionate and he's still so happy to come visit us. So that makes me feel really good. It feels like he wasn't just in it for the food, but I kind of need him to just be in it for the food. Like I, I need him to start going home and spending time at home and just coming over a little bit for pets once every few days. Yeah. But then you got to think about why the cat prefers to spend time at your place versus their place. And maybe it is just that, you know, it's, it's you and Janelle places chill. Maybe he can just lay down, take a nap, not be disturbed by children or a dog or, or whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. You know, but uh, it's also like kind of the, the danger of letting your cat be an outdoor cat, too. Yeah, um, there's there's something to be said for that. And that's like that was Janelle's first response is like, well, if you want your cat, take care of it and keep it safe and put it in your home and give it a nice place to live. And I, I do agree and I get it. But it just it doesn't feel like the right stand to make, and I I don't know I'm not gonna, I'm not going to deprive someone of their cat. That's yeah, we we've like. said this before, like especially now that the cat has been an outdoor cat, it's really hard to just like close the door on them, right? Right, right. So, for sure. I I don't know exactly what the best solution is now. I would probably say try and figure out what it is that makes the cat not want to be there. If it is just that it can't get time alone, then carve out some space for it if yep. you can, you know? Yep. Yeah. And if, if that's all the cat needs, it can, it can come, it can literally come anytime. It's always welcome. I just uh, need it to go home at some point. That's the only requirement. You can come and hang out all day if you want, but you, you have to go home at night. Yeah. And maybe that'll happen as you maybe. continue to hope. not, to not feed Saturday. Yep. I'm not, I'm not going to call it Sylvester. It's yeah, that's a, it's a bad name. Sylvester's a bad name. Uh, man, it, it's, it is kind of tragic in that it is, it is someone's animal, which means that it's not your animal. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's nice that like, oh, this family got their cat back after being worried for four to five days. But then, you know, the, the plot twist sequel is just that the, the cat still just wants to chill at your place, even with no food. It's like, oh, damn. Yep. It's, it is brutal. Uh, yeah, it's a weird one, but I, I'm, I'm so thankful for the cat. Like it, he definitely showed up at a time where we really needed him, like really needed him right after Kai passed and like him just figuring that out and being there for us was just an awesome moment of animal insight. And, you know, maybe it did have something to do with the fact that we had good treats. That's fine. I, I don't object to that, but I, I think like, you know, I'm not a the universe has a plan type guy, but sometimes things just work out in a good fashion and we, we really shouldn't have a cat around full time. Like it's, it's just not good for Janelle's health. So, you know, maybe it's just a good resolution that things went this way. Yeah, I know the family should probably keep their cat, but like, I don't know, figure it out. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's uh, cat talk. Thanks for joining the podcast this week. We'll be back next week with some more cat talk. 
we could just section that off into like a our own YouTube our channel. Our spinoff, you know? yeah. yeah. That's, that's not bad. We've tried we've tried that before. It didn't last that long. I feel like we can get 20 episodes out of Cat Talk, though, just like we did with Head Games. Oh, yeah. Dude, easy. Easy. I have I have so many cats, and I've yeah, been... Yeah, you're, you're ripe with material. I am, and I've I've known many cats over the years, you know, so I've... I've been privy to the lives of a lot of cats and like, and that's the best part too about the the cat metagame is that it's always evolving. It's never like 69% one type of cat. There's just a very, very big variation in terms of cats. Uh, I'm just thinking about uh, this world's metagame. It's a good, good transition. What's going on with the world's metagame. I hadn't seen Uh, it. I don't know. You're talking about like 69%. Yeah. Okay. Oh oh, no, it is. It is 68.8. Okay. I thought it was going to be higher because like higher. Higher than sixty eight point eight. Well, after, after I the saw metagame. the number, okay. So Worlds is this weekend. It's at Magic Thirty in Vegas. Blah blah blah. Right. Standard and Explorer. Not as not as bad as Alchemy. Actually, like you know, pretty reasonable. Especially the upcoming RCs are Pioneer. It's kind of yeah. close. At least maybe you get to look at some some deck lists, even if the actual metagame itself isn't the same. Like keep in all mind, real cards, all real cards being played. So all real cards, but like you know, no no Nykthos online, for example. Yeah, something's missing. Make makes things a little bit different. But uh, standard metagame, I've been following standard a little bit, and twenty two s per mid range players, uh, and then a two of a two of, and then some one ofs. A lot of esper. And yeah, given given the number like twenty two with the next highest being two, I I assume that like it was going to be higher than sixty nine percent. I don't know. That's just a really big number to me. Yeah, small field, and like for the people who are trying to like, I don't want to say justify. I don't think their role is to like justify this. But just to say it's it's not as bad as it looks. I think that's the argument you often hear is like, well, small field metagame, a lot of teams that have multiple players qualified for this, so that often influences things. Uh, however, as more information has come out, the biggest team, which is eight players that prepared for this, actually split into two teams of four. Okay, good. Both arrived at Esper and say it's just far and away the best deck and nothing beats it. You can build it many different ways. And the fact is that this 22 Esper decks, they probably look very different. And we've talked about that a lot over the course of the standard, how like even when things are Jun focused, the Jun decks look very different. And I expect all these Esper decks to look very, very uh, diverse and have a wide range of threats and answers. And that's that's all well and good. And you can try and backdoor your way into like, this will be an okay format. But I will just put on uh, my, my game designer hat and my hat of someone who has his own worlds coming up next weekend. Flesh and Blood Worlds is next weekend. If my metagame looked like this, I would be gutted. I would be absolutely devastated, and I would feel like I had failed the players and not offered a diverse enough suite of options for them to consider. What if what if you never uh, really cared about organized play or standard to be well, with? That that would that would change things. That would okay. change how I would feel about it. And maybe I just go ahead and I look at my bank account and I go, well, whatever. It doesn't yeah, matter. and also also you know didn't really advertise the tournament at all. Yeah, yeah, so I did not. I I kind of wanted to start the podcast by being like, can you name all twenty four players who are in worlds? And then you'd be like, no, of course not. And then I'd be like. There's 32 players. Well, yeah. Also, there's 32 people, and then you'd be like, "Oh, I didn't know that." I, you know, like that. That very easily could have been a thing. I can name one of that's uh, two, three. Wow. Three. Three. Wow. Three is as many as I can get. Ten percent. Four? Question mark. I feel like Shota's playing. Is he though? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, f- I feel pretty confident about three. I would say Mike Sigrist is playing, which is strange to me, but I'm really happy. Love Siggy. Happy he's playing. Zachary Kinney is playing. Had a really strong year. Oh, I just got a fourth one. Tristan Wild LaRue, I believe is his last name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Tristan had it. a huge breakout year, is playing. Tangrams, David, David Inglis. Is playing so I, I've named several people participating in this worlds now, and I feel very proud of myself. See, the funny thing is, like, okay, I those those are definitely the people who have been like winning the most or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's like, are they are they actually qualified? I have no idea. I am fairly confident in all of those answers. Some of the other answers I could potentially give. Oh, Jim Davis, Jim Davis is playing. I know that. 
I keep adding more and more. I'm I'm good at this. I, I know a lot about magic. I feel good about myself. Yeah, almost almost ten people. <laughs> almost half of the number of players who chose to play Esper Midrange. All right, can you name uh, how many of the seven commentators? Can you name? Don't actually name them one by one, but just out of the seven. I think I can name them all. Okay. Uh, I think you'll you'll probably go over. That's possible. That's possible. I may include some people who are not there. I think I would be close, though. Nothing but love for my commentary uh, brethren. I, I always support them. I know they're working hard, doing their best with a tough situation to try and bring some spark, some excitement to this world's this world's metagame. And a lot of things working against them, none of which have to, anything to do with their ability to tell a compelling story about this game. Right. Uh, all right. So looking over the, the people who are qualified list. And oh, you're cheating now. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think when I was paying attention to this stuff and like, I guess, held it in my mind as a thing of importance, mm-hmm. uh, like I, I could have named all the qualified players for like any given event, like a, a smaller one. Yes. Or yeah, like yeah, small the, field events or like the, the quote unquote good people or the local people, you know, like if you asked me yes or no, is this person qualified? I could have told you. Yep. And and certainly back in the day, I could just list all of the magic sets in order or like reverse order. Or, or e- even things like naming the people who like top eight at specific GPs was something within my range for a very yeah. long period of time. Yeah, I could I could do that or the invitationals or whatever. Yep. Uh, but but yeah, now now looking at the list, it's like okay, yeah, I remember you know being around when these people qualified and these names are are not surprising to me and whatnot, but. I also think that I, like still I am way more invested than a lot of other people. But, you know, it's like, did, did you know that Worlds was happening this weekend? Do you know of any of the people who are in the tournament? Do you actually care about any of the people who are in the tournament? So it's, uh, it's just very sad. You know, yeah. that's all. Yeah, they make it really hard, really hard to uh, treat it like something special, which it's not. It's not hard. It is something special and it should be treated that way. Now I'm trying to figure out. Okay, it does begin on Friday, 9 a.m. PT. So noon, noon Eastern. And you're going to be tuned in, riveted, just grinding out those Esper Mirror matches, having a great time. Uh, I don't know, man. I might be, I might be packing boxes. We'll see. Mm, got a little move going on. That's right. Yeah, maybe either either this weekend or next weekend. We'll see. I I was gonna get it done this week, but then I was just like kind of knocked out for four days, so that didn't help. But dude, I woke up. I woke up uh, last night. You know, woke up at like ten p.m. as you do. Mm-hmm. Standard wake up time, sure. <laughs> and and like actually had energy. It was like, oh my god, like this this feels incredible, right? Yeah, you got you got to strike when that's the case. Yeah, yeah. So I did. I did. I did a bunch of stuff and. Then went back to sleep, woke up again, and was just like tired. Was like, damn it, <laughs> not this again. That might just be oldness that often happens to me. Where I just wake up and I'm like, oh, still tired. That didn't work. We'll try no, again I, tomorrow. I, I think there were just like two and a half days in a row where I was just like, all right, screw this. I Instead of like being awake and being miserable, I'm just going to try and sleep for as much as possible and, mm-hmm. and just get through this, you know, just like wake up blow my nose seven times, go back to sleep, you know, wake up, feed some cats, blow my nose, go back to sleep, whatever. Yeah, good strategy. And just at some point I woke up and felt great. Now I woke up, felt tired and was like, well, I haven't taken my ADHD meds for a while, so I guess I'll do that. So now now I took an Adderall after like four days of not taking it. So okay. hopefully I'll feel great after that. Yeah, ready we'll see. to go, get some work done, some intense focus. Hopefully, uh, some, some like mediocre focus. We take what we can get. Anyway, also, in addition to, you know, cats and illness and world championships, uh, have have some more cards to look at. New previews. Yeah, preview season. Brothers for, War. For what we believe to be a real set. And I, I know preview season, I think preview season for like three sets just ended like in the last couple of weeks. They were sets that. Hell yeah. We are not paying attention to. But this, I think is one of the sets we do pay attention to, right? These these are all real cards. I would hope so. Okay. I don't know. These cards definitely have a lot of text. And, you know, they have a lot of sides. And uh, Prototype is 
new mechanic that also basically turns all the cards into split cards. So that's cool too. These cards look like normal magic cards, normal-ish. Right. You know, that's a good sign. Uh, you know, there's actually I didn't respond to this online just because I don't. I know this is hard to believe. I don't want to be mean. Like that's just not who I am, and I I never want to make anyone's day worse. But I'm happy to make listeners of the podcast suffer through my innate takeaways. And uh, Gavin Verhey was tweeting about keywording basically like enters the battlefield. Yeah. And I, I thought about this, like, I, you know, like, I'm still very interested in the way magic cards are shaped. And I thought, I thought about my response and would I keyword it. And ultimately I arrived at the fact that my answer would be no, but the reason I would say, no, don't keyword it is because I do not think it is in the best interest of magic design to give anyone making cards access to more real estate to put words on. Like, I actually think they need to find ways to minimize the amount of words they are putting on magic cards. And if they keyworded this, it would open up like four or five words in every text box and it would just get more confusing. And that was my honest to God answer about what would be best right now for the game would be not keywording it. So you didn't make more space for words to go on cards. Okay, but that doesn't actually answer the question of should this card be keyword or should this ability specifically be keyworded? Like, I, I, I agree with your premise 100%, right? But as far as keywording ETB, I think that that would be a net positive, assuming that the word was not bad, I guess, mm-hmm. and was like pretty easy to understand. But doing it now, yeah, that that is dangerous. I definitely agree with that. But like that, it's it, that shouldn't be the argument. Like it feels so bad that we're in the place that that's the argument. I know. You know well, I mean? I mean, you have to frame the question as who are you asking? Like, are you asking the magical director of Wizards of the Coast who like makes these decisions? And I then I would answer the question the way I did for that reason. I would not want to give the people doing this more space to to do stuff. But if you're asking just like. I don't know, average player or average aesthetic observer, maybe is the right word I'm looking for, for like how the cards present and read. I, th- I do think it would be net positive if used properly and, uh, and not as an excuse to expand text boxes. Yeah, it would be good. All right. So this this is an uncommon. Mishra Excavation Prodigy, 2R21, Legendary Creature Human Artificer, Haste, one tap, discard a card, draw a card. Whenever you discard one or more artifact cards, add RR. This ability triggers only once each turn. This is fairly modest in terms of like actual words on <laughs> on the card compared to like other stuff. Yeah, there's even room for flavor text. Yeah, but it's still like six different things that you have to keep track of. And it's just on, like on an uncommon. On an uncommon. And it's like, why? It's a lot. What, I mean, what do you think of the fact that there is this uncommon Mishra? Like, this is a very keystone character, especially for this set, but I would say in all of magic history. And we know there's another Mishra in the set. We've talked about Mishra claimed by Gix in previous episodes, one of the first cards we had previewed. What do you think of there being multiple Mishras and, in fact, Urzas in this set? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. I mean... I thought getting the the Bebe Planeswalkers in Origins was kind of cool. Yeah. And this is sort of the same thing. It is weird when, I don't know, it's like Urza's presence and like, you know, stuff like Teferi certainly pops up from here or there. But like Urza's presence is kind of felt in a bunch of different sets over Magic's years and Mishra too, but obviously to a smaller degree, but it is weird to just be like, Oh, well, this is their set. Let's give them like the older version and the younger version and just like jam it all in there. And it's like, ah, I, I kind of don't like that, but do you think there's rares? Cause we've seen mythics and now we've seen uncommons of, yeah, I mean, I hope, I hope not. I, I, I think like old and young are, are both kind of cool, yeah. but there's no reason to just check in on them every five years or whatever. Right. <laughs> just like 30 years. It's like, we'll just the, go through each year of his life. The rare Mishra is the exact same, except it's like a three, two instead of a two, one yeah, or something, you know, it's like, come on. I like it. But yeah, I don't, like as they do maybe a, a better job of actually developing the cards, 
you see things like the mana gate on the tap to like discard draw card thing. I think that that overall is just a positive thing because oh yeah, yeah this card's broken if it doesn't have it. Yeah, you know because you throw in things that just like untap things or whatever, and it's just like it, once you mana gate stuff, it makes them a lot more fair. So I think that's reasonable. And then obviously you want this to like key off artifacts and. The, the other gate on it is just this ability only triggers once each turn, right? So like that kind of puts a, a stopgap in place for any shenanigans or whatever. And it's like, I, I do like the fact that those things exist, but it leads the card to be very wordy. And I think that when you have a lot of those things that then require qualifiers and modifiers, it's when it gets to be really weird. And then you have something like ETB, which for the most part is pretty consistent. Although there are some things where it's like ETB, if you cast this from your hand or whatever, cause they yeah, don't want yeah. you to reanimate it. You know, I do like it when the stuff is just like clean, you know, it's like this, this has haste, right? It's like haste is going to be the same thing. It's not like haste. If you played this after turn four or whatever, but like that, that will be a thing at some point. You know what I mean? Yeah. I so I don't know. It, clean, it might already it be a thing when it comes to the alchemy format. Honestly, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, uh, you know, cl- clean up the cards as much as you can make them as simplistic as possible. Obviously I like the fact that a lot of these qualifiers do exist, but maybe it's like, well, if this thing is going to have two abilities, maybe they don't each need to have a gate on them or whatever, or just have, have it do something else that is simple. So like go like one simple thing with the complicated thing. And to that end, I think that you could do things like keyword ETB, have it be fine, just be cognizant that that doesn't give you room to just like add more abilities or like be more complicated or whatever. But like, you know exactly that's where they would take it. So yeah, I I, I do agree with you, but it's like, damn, I wish we didn't have to make this argument. Same, right there with you. A, A instead of B, unless C, D or what, you know. <laughs> Only on Wednesdays. No, that's only in the unsets. If you have the Wednesday sticker, then oh. that's a card that only works on Wednesdays. Which, okay. by the way, st- sticker is getting played in Legacy. Sounds like like actual legitimate play. So okay, there, there goes that. You know, this will never hit this area. And I, I only report on this because I know like you are as distant and removed from everything as I am when it comes to those formats and these cards that are in like Unfinity. I guess there's like an, an optimization problem where like you should have stickers in your deck box. So you are therefore representing the fact that you may be playing this deck. Otherwise you're giving up like equity. Oh yeah. It's like, I don't know. Opening your, your deck box and there being like a voice of resurgence token or something that your opponent can see. I'm trying to remember what the last like big example of this was. I don't know, where there was like a popular token maker for like an aggro deck or something. So you like open mm-hmm. your deck box and show them the token, but you're like actually playing control and like, haha got you. And it's like, it doesn't matter. No yeah. Way. That was always nonsense because like you didn't, you didn't need the token, right? Like you, like it was very widely accepted that you didn't actually have to use the token that. Yeah. But, but you show them, right. You put it yeah, in yeah. their mind that you're like playing the thing. Yeah. I think that never worked and was total nonsense, but where it's different here is that I think you, you just have to have the stickers to be able to use the sticker. Maybe I honestly don't even know if that's the case, but it, it seems like that's the case. So, boy. So you you legitimately have uh, like ADHD, right? Ah, uh, yes, yes. How, I've been treated for it. Presently, I'm not. Okay. Do you do you have like a thing with stickers or? Uh, I, I guess another thing that might be more applicable to you is like the mega elixir thing in RPGs. Like, did, were you just like, I'd rather lose than use, than use this? Elixir? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've never used an, an item in an RPG ever. I just take no. it to the end. Yeah. Cause you know, what if you might need it later or whatever? Yes. Right. And it's just like, well, now is the time, dude. You're dying. But it's, it, I was, I was kind of like that with stickers for a while too, where it's like, oh, this is cool. Uh, I can think of a million places where I would love to put this. And it's like, well, then what if I use it? And then I want to put it somewhere else. Right. So instead they just sit in a drawer. Yeah. I was just actually, when you said that, thinking about a sticker that someone gave me a really, really cool Lexi sticker that I could use to identify one of my favorite flesh and blood decks. And I just left it in a box. Cause I'm like, oh, I don't want to use this. It's, it's a sticker. It would be ruined if I put it on something. Right. I did use my uh, Karn Chibi stickers that 
you you gave me. I don't remember where you got them from, uh, but I did use that to mark my Tron deck box for a while. Cool. Yeah, but then it's like, oh, well, what if uh, you know my my deck gets bigger? Like maybe Urian Tron becomes mm. the the best thing, and then I need a bigger deck box or whatever. Like, what if this deck box breaks? That I'm going to need to get another Karn sticker, and how could I ever? get that or whatever yeah yeah huge problem uh so yeah i don't know the the concept oh, of oh, shit i just scrolled down and there's definitely a rare there's no seriously there's a different yeah. ultra yeah there is <laughs> oh uh, no the world, the world is full of magic gerald oh, when no. you just are open to surprises literally anything can happen yeah i guess it makes sense that these would also be gold see this is okay yeah like that that number checks out yeah, the uncommon one checks out, and the mythic checks. Okay, damn it. See, yeah, people are gonna be like, you know, say that they've already looked at the cards or whatever. They're gonna be listening to the podcast and be like, "This is just a bit, right?" Like they're they're just setting us up. And it's like, oh, oh, I, no, I wish just... we were that smart. I, I wish we had that kind of foresight. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So I guess Urza goes from being a Power Stone prodigy to a Prince of Krug to a Lord Protector, and very old. Uh, Mishra Tamer of Makfawa 3BR44 Legendary Creature Human Artificer. Permanents you control have Ward sacrifice a permanent. Each artifact card in your graveyard has unearth one BR. Five mana, four, four. Everything you have has Ward sack a permanent. And then artifacts getting unearthed. I, I have no idea how good that is, but like. Uh, that feels very powerful to me, but you've also slapped it on a very expensive body. Yeah. Five cost is is a lot of investment. Yeah, so I I, I think the owner thing, yeah, maybe maybe busted, right? But uh, thinking in terms of like standard, I'm just like, uh, what what are we doing with this? I'm not sure. Yeah, the ward ability pretty interesting, I and mean, you always get to trade one for one. That's that's a really good protection ability. Now, granted, you're going to get their worst possible permanent every single time, and sometimes it's not going to matter all that much if they go ahead and give you whatever garbage token they have lying around. But I could think of matchups where like the battlefield is not particularly cluttered and Mishra could be a real threat out of the sideboard that just never gets answered cleanly. Yeah. I mean, assuming they have to do the ward stuff multiple times, eventually that's going to add up. But if it's like, yeah, I just have my one removal spell and I'm going to use it to kill your one big thing. Maybe even just the Mishra. It's like, yeah, I'll sack my blood token, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, um, and that's why you still two for one, right? It's just yeah. it's just a question of what you had to cash in to do so. Right. Uh, and then we talked about the mythic one last time, so we can yep. skip those now. So yep. uncommon Urza, Urza Powerstone Prodigy, two you, one three, legendary creature, human artificer, vigilance, one tap, draw a card, then discard a card. No, why would you like I understand, but uh it's, it, it's so the opposite it, of the it, Mishra ability. Yeah, yep. Whenever you discard one or more artifact cards, create a tapped Power Stone token. This ability triggers only once each turn. Power Stones from the Karn thing uh, is an artifact with tap add C. This mana can't be spent to cast a non-artifact spell. And Rare Urza is 2 UW, 2-3. Legendary creature, human artificer. Artifact creatures you control get plus 2, plus 2. 6 Create a token that's a copy of target artifact you control, except it's a 1-1 soldier creature in addition to its other types. It's a lot of investment, but very powerful ability. Uh, prevents, just, prevents you from going infinite with a thing that, like, you know, would, you know, say it, like, taps for seven or whatever, right? Because now it's yes. a, a creature with summoning sickness. So that's interesting. Yeah, I imagine it'd be pretty breakable without that clause, honestly. Yeah, maybe. A uh, good little tempered steel buff attached to it as well, if there's you know, artifact creatures we particularly want to play, which we've seen some pretty good ones in this set thus far. There's, Things like the, the, surge, the engine. surge engine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is a very playable card. I, I have no real objection here. Pretty, pretty vulnerable, pretty soft, but some potential for instant payout. If you're using it as like a curve topper to your artifact aggro deck and where it's really going to shine, if there's somewhere for you to backdoor this copying effect into something very powerful. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, but if it's just you're generally happy to play this as a threat and then there's some weird combination of cards that also lets you go off with this, then I could see this card shining. And it's, it seems plausible given the abilities here. I will say that I like the distinction between Mishra and Urza where it's like, say, you know, look at the Uncommons, right? Like they're both pretty similar. They have mm -hmm. like 
random ability. They're kind of opposite power toughness wise. They're both like looting, sort of doing similar stuff. And the mistress thing is more bursty add mana. Urza's is like make this slower artifact thing, like building towards an end game, but they're like all doing similar stuff. And then like that is consistent through the versions. Yep. The Urza's are very much about just like put a bunch of mana into me, make like this powerful end game and Mishra's just like unearthing doing bursty things. So, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm very torn on these cards. Like I said, the reversing that ability makes a lot of sense, but it's, it's going to be that's, really awkward. In that's pretty normal for blue and red in, in these sets though, too. I, I know what you mean. It's like, I actually think it's, it might be easier to remember when you remember that they are kind of mirror images of each other. If you were if you were that plugged in and like recognize these characters, sure. it all depends on like who you're catering the experience to. So that's that's completely valid if you choose to do it this way. What is interesting though is like I I would have hard committed to the idea of them being inversions to each other. So like definitely would go with a one two as opposed to a two one. Just like get as much mirroring as you possibly can all over the card, and then I'm a little bit more inclined to buy into it and. Uh, I, I think it's it's mostly there. Like it's like ninety percent of the way there, and I, I just wish it leaned a little tiny bit harder. It's kind of similar to the Urza Yogmoth stuff we had going on in MH one. Like not yep. not the exact same or whatever, but it's like Yogmoth has protection from humans, and they're both kind of like similarly statted at four mana. You know, so yep. like they're they're not like mirror images of each other, but it was it was definitely like you could tell that they were sort of designed while looking at each other. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I like cards that are designed in conjunction with each other. I just like to be a little bit more blunt with it because I, I don't think it shines through unless you're like particularly heavy handed about it. Like I think you really have to commit to the bit and make sure you see it all over the place. Otherwise it can get lost sometimes. Well, the interesting thing is like Urza blocks Mishra and kills him. You know, it's like they're they're kind of like mirror images, like Mistress focused on power versus yeah, focused shouldn't on they trade? Or whatever. Shouldn't it's they like, trade? I mean, like whatever. You can make it whatever argument you want as to like what the right thing. To, to me, the right thing to do is have them trade. But I is I is that is that right for the story though? I, you know, I don't know. Who cares? Whatever. Yep. Where do you want to go next, Teferi? Sure, Teferi time. I so since I basically did just wake up, I've not seen these cards. Just to be clear. yeah. Um, what is funny though, like like I said, we didn't set up the bit. As soon as we started reading these cards, I remembered them. Like, I definitely looked at them before we did the show. I just kind of forgot they were Urza and Mishra, I think. Okay. Well, I again, I, I'm i going to be reading this for the first time. I just know that it has a lot of text, so it's not even like I got to skim it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, Teferi, Temporal Pilgrim, 3UU, Legendary Planeswalker, Teferi, 4 Starting Loyalty, Static Ability of whenever you draw a card, put a loyalty counter on this, zero draw a card, Minus two, create a two-two blue spirit creature token with vigilance. And whenever you draw a card, put a plus one plus one counter on this. And minus twelve, target opponent chooses a permanent they control and returns it to its owner's hand. Then they shuffle each non-land permanent they control into its owner's library. Hold on, they choose a permanent they control. So like they get to protect one thing. Like so, they're like, oh, I'll save like my. Oh, I guess like if they have like a flash creature or something, or they're like, I want to save my land. Uh, I, I think it's, Oh no, they shuffle each non land permanent. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your best threat. Basically you get to okay. save your best threat. I was thinking they got upheaval cause it's like 12, but yeah, it is non land. It's non land. Yeah. Um, it's, it's 12, but it's a very cheatable 12. Like this, this ability to get a loyalty counter on each card draw, uh, particularly where there's like, static card draw that you can keep on the battlefield and cash in at a later date. Oh yeah. I, this card's impressive and it's going to do some, some work. It sort of checks all those boxes where uh, immediate impact, immediate defense, where it's making the two, two spirit token right away. Yeah. Cause the, uh, the two, two is going to get absurd. Like the next turn. Yeah. Yeah. With, and with vigilance tacked on too, like it's just going to lock down the battlefield hard. It's going to be very challenging. If you, untap with your five mana planeswalker and you know we know that story very well generally if you get to untap with your five mana planeswalker things are good for you i think things are going to be very good for you with the fairy temporal pilgrim a uh, lot of burst potential from this card as well yeah this card uh is right up my alley this seems really fun agreed agreed i really like you know I, f forever i have enjoyed the five mana blue planeswalker end game play control around it 
just set up and cash in. And unfortunately, this may actually end the game via damage. You know, I would like the game to just go on forever. Yeah. Um, but we take what we can get. Yeah. You want the minus to just like kill a thing, gain some life or whatever. Perfect. Sign me up. Yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, I, I love that this is just like basically telling you to do a thing, right? It's just like, play this, but then also like keep drawing cards. And I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what I want to do anyway. Very clear instructions. Very, uh, I, I like the the temporal nature of it. The, the spirit token feels like a, a little bit outside of that box to me. I don't quite get the resonance there, but everything else feels very manipulate and just off center and like the, the hard reset is cool. I don't, I don't know. This card really hits a lot of boxes for me. Yeah. Gix. We didn't talk sure. about Gix, right? Gix is new. Gix is new. Yeah. Gix, Yawgmoth Praetor, 1BB, 3-3, legendary creature, Fire and Praetor. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, its controller may pay one life. If they do, they draw a card. 4BBB, Discard X cards, exile the top X cards of target opponent's library. You may play lands and cast spells from among cards exiled this way without paying their mana costs. This is a weird card. Weird, Remember, weird a card. Creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents. Its controller may pay one life if they do draw cards. So this is this is like a good version of the arena card that we were talking about in the, in the last set. Like, like you, you play this and just uh, immediately get to draw a card if you have a thing that's going to hit them. Creature, sorry, I have to read it again. Whenever yeah, a creature yeah, yeah. deals combat damage to one of your opponents, it's controller. oh, it's it's wait, yeah, yeah, the creature's controller. So like you play, okay, you play Grizzly Bear into Gix, hit them, and then you pay a life draw. Card. You can pay a life draw card. Okay, I, I think I read that backwards the first time I read it for some reason. So there's uh. The vampire that does a similar thing, but I think it was worse. You only got like, one trigger a turn, right? Well, it was it was uh, like reveal the top two, and then you can play one or whatever. Mm. So it wasn't it wasn't like you could get an immediate land drop. And like I still ended up liking that card a reasonable amount. Yeah. Um, and oddly, same kind of like stat line too. I think it's three mana three three. But but yeah, like just being able to go like grizzly bear into this immediately get a card. That's awesome. Yeah, and if you just like, I don't, I don't even think you need this to stick around. Really, you just need to have this card be present in the late game. This just wins the game, right? Like this, this ability is, in, in, yeah, is insane. Yeah, you, you need resources. Um, yeah, but this is a pretty good thing to like Soul of Wind Grace into. I think as far as you know, just putting lands onto the battlefield or whatever, and that could also and, allow you to sandbag lands in your hand and stuff. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Putting things in your hand is just as valuable in this scenario. And it, you know, curves pretty well. Three into four. Very nice. Uh, if you have threatening twos that are especially disposable ones, I find like that's where these effects really shine is where you're very willing to just throw your two drops into combat and have them trade and, you know, buy them back in the future with something like Tenacious Underdog. Yeah. I, I think this card becomes extremely threatening. And then, like I said, at, at seven mana, if you have ever connected with this in any even small numbers. I think if you've gotten, you know, one or two cards off this, you should be in a position where that seven mana is extremely, extremely threatening, capable of just winning the game on the spot. So you're only going to get the one activation, probably, unless your opponent's cards reload you in some significant way. Yeah, I guess something like Soul of Windgrace is very appealing as far as that goes, where you can just continually stock up, although I don't think you'll have to once you activate this once. Yeah, I wonder... I mean, like, there are definitely going to be scenarios where you're just like, all right, I'll do it for one and, like, you know, spin the wheel. I only have the one card. And that's obviously completely fine. But I wonder, it's just like, am I going to pull on this if we're in sort of, like, a stall game and I only have, like, two cards? Or will I just wait? I don't know. Think about how powerful the cards are in Standard right now. Like, look at the average Esper deck, right? And you take the top seven cards and put them into play. You're going to take that. Almost always. Top four cards. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I guess this, this just like doesn't go away, right? So it's like... Yep. If so I, you if, reload off whatever creatures you put into the... Yeah, if I, if I could do it for two this turn, it's like, well, I could just do it for the third card next turn if I wanted to. Um, it, it would just be, I guess, if I had mana to spend on something else or whatever. But Yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, this, this seems completely fine to me. Big time threat. 
unfortunately falling into the, the black mid-range setup maybe a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to be a persistent problem throughout this format. So Maybe it'll be black decks and then artifact decks, right? Maybe. Maybe that's the diversity we've been clamoring for. Uh, Titania, Voice of Gaia. 1GG, 3-4, Legendary Creature Elemental, Reach. Whenever one or more land cards are put into your graveyard from anywhere, gain to life. Again, popping off with Soul of Wind Grace. And this bottom thing is like highlighted blue. Is that actually purposeful? I think the last time this happened, it was purposeful, but it definitely looks like someone like highlighted the text and then <laughs> uploaded the card or whatever. I, I, I don't think it's purposeful, but I don't know. That's, that's oh. weird. Okay. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, if there are four or more land cards in your graveyard and you both own and control Titania, Voice of Gaia, and a land named Argoth, Sanctum of Nature, exile them, then meld them into Titania, Gaia Incarnate. Uh, All right. Now, what do you do, Gerald? As a content creator putting together a podcast, do you go read Argoth, Sanctum of Nature, or do you tell us the backside? I'm going to Argoth. Okay. That's what I would do, too. So I support that. Yeah, I think... I don't know, just like in, in timeline order, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You got to have piece A and then piece, piece B, B. And then we meld them together. Right, because it doesn't even matter what the backside of Titania does if you don't have piece B, right? So Yeah, and and piece B here is pretty good. Like like actually really good, I think. So go ahead, hit, hit us with that one. Argoth, Sanctum of Nature, land. This enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a legendary green creature. Tap, add G. 2GG, tap, create a 2-2 green bear creature token, then mill three cards, activate only as a sorcery, and then uh, melds with Titania. So ETB tapped forest, probably, maybe. but maybe not. Maybe not. I I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't go that far. And not, not legendary. Not legendary. Yeah, that's surprising. Surprising giving the name of the card. And making making the token doesn't, I don't know, like sacrifice itself or whatever. Yep. This is just like super Castle Vantress. Yeah, pretty good card. Yeah. All right, Titania. But Gaia. wait, but wait, there's more. Yeah. No. Now, now you meld them. Smush them together. All right. Backside. Giga Titania. She is large, in charge. Uh, looks very. Tree folk, kaiju like. Anyway, uh, mm. vigilance, reach, trample, haste. Badass set of abilities for meld card. Right. Her power and toughness are each equal to the number of lands you control. When Titania enters the battlefield, return all land cards from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. And three G put four plus one plus one counters on target land you control. It becomes a zero zero elemental creature with haste. It's still a land. Yeah, I mean this is. Uh, if not for the Teferi, this is like the second thing I like doing in Magic, which is just like putting a bunch of lands into play. Mm-hmm. I agree. I've messed around with these, basically this exact ability. Uh, what is it? Splendid Reclamation? Is yeah, I was going to say, isn't that card legal too? I don't know. My my guess would be no. It's it's definitely an older card, or its first incarnation was an older card. Yeah, I, I think it got reprinted. It got reprinted. It with the streets. Okay. Yeah, that's possible. Anyway, a lot of abilities here. Four of them. All right, hold up. It was in Eldritch Moon. It is in Crimson Vow, which so is still legal. Means it is legal. Okay. Yeah. And you have all the the streets fetches and stuff. So Solo Wind Grace that Titania. Cool. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Very cool setup. Like you said, one of the things I like doing a bunch, manipulating lands from the graveyard. One of my favorite cards of all time. Actually, Realms Uncharted. I don't know if I, I talk about that card enough because it nobody plays it. Saw almost no play, but I, I really like that card. It does exactly the type of shenanigans I like. It's bad because there was just a bunch of busted land stuff that was similar that came before it. Yeah. And then that was kind of like the fixed version of things, right? Yeah. But it was it was too late. I played it with like Worm Harvest, uh, which was a uh, I played too much Worm Harvest. Yeah, even tide card, which I I really liked. Yeah, I played that card too much, but I do really like it. And this is very much in the same vein of those type of effects. I think that this package feels pretty good to me. The front side, a little bit less impressive. Although once you start combining it with the land, I 
very quickly becomes extremely impressive. And uh, it's just not a big ask to play either of these two parts. If there's some way to do like a pretty low cost reanimation effect on Titania, where you're just like playing your normal game, going about, you know, slowly generating value as mid range decks do maybe gain a couple life here, a couple life there. And then in the late game, you have an effect you can use to rebuy this thinking of something that scales very well. Uh, you know, like Culligan's command type effects that have multiple modes. And then you just set up this very, very large Titania and get all of these many lands you've milled throughout the game and you get to play those massive end games, which we've been talking about a bunch and haven't really come to fruition yet. Everything has floated way more towards the middle of the mid-range decks, just a little bit too good for any of the large green stuff to ever happen successfully. Maybe this is the breaking point where you can actually start to play towards those end games. Well, I, I think that Titania does a reasonable job of gaining you life in combination with the, the fetches, or if yeah, you are milling yourself by activating Argoth or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the, the the melded Titania is obviously very big. Trample Haste, both very good. Uh, if you have the spare mana to be able to you know turn your lands into creatures too, I mean, like that's awesome. Yeah, maybe a little fragile for what it does, honestly. Yeah, because it, it could just get Infernal Grasped or whatever, but would assume that by that point you have kind of baited that out. Like maybe Titania has gained you like 10 life at that point or something. So uh, th- things like Cruelty of Gix can set up these meld things in a lot of different ways to mm-hmm. like the tutoring and the reanimation. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good, uh, exactly the type of card I was talking about. And yeah, Titania's life gain offsets that. So that's cool uh herkel i i again i haven't read this i don't know if it's playable or worth reading sure herkel me one uu24 legendary creature human wizard advisor at the beginning of your end step if you've cast a non-creature spell this turn reveal the top five cards of your library for each card type among non-creature spells you've cast this turn you may put a card of that type from among the revealed cards into your hand put the rest on the bottom of your library to random order like do you really have to like mix and match like instant sorcery enchantment artifact or whatever? Is it, is it too busted? If you just go like Hercule, Mishra's bobble EOT impulse. I don't know. I, I stopped listening. You said a lot of words and it just got to be too much. And I started thinking of an altar and it'd be cool if there was an Urkel master wizard with like Jaleel white worked into the card. I don't know. Maybe it's only me that that appeals to, but yeah, I'm here for Urkel master wizard. I mean, I've, you could have done that with like Hercules Recall, you know. I'm sure Why? somebody has. I'm I'm gonna Google Hercules Recall. Do it in incognito. It's gonna it's gonna mess up <laughs> really mess up my algorithm. Yeah. Uh, Phyrexian Flesh Gorger, seven generic mana for a seven five artifact creature, Phyrexian Worm, Menace, Lifelink, Ward, Pay Life equal to this thing's power, and then it has Prototype, which is you may cast the spell with different mana cost. Uh, color and size it keeps its abilities and type 1bb33 so 1bb33 menace lifelink ward pay life equal to its power that's this this card is badass and actually i if you are judicious with this ability i think it's like pretty clean pretty straightforward not super word like if you were if this was the maximum complexity level of this ability and the most cards that ever appeared on a prototype card i'm in i I think you did it i think you made a very cool ability without using a ton of words and this is mythic too yeah it's kind of like bodes well for the lower rarity ones it does it and we may have done it we may have made a, a totally reasonable mechanic that doesn't rely on 10 million words and i would be very into this one i think this is cool love how it has like a reverse kicker going on scales over time i love how the ward ability scales over time so i would say this is probably my favorite designed card in the set thus far i think it does a lot of things very well and i'm into it and i want to play with it as well again this is one of the weird things where it's like this is mythic i guess kind of similar to the surge engine i don't know i think this card's very strong i I mean that that menace lifelink and the ward where you're basically getting guaranteed damage, that's a really scary package from an aggressive deck. And the way it scales into the late game, it's going to put you in literally unwinnable situations. Like you will just yeah. die to this card when an aggro deck hits seven mana. Like, is there an aggro deck 
that can check these boxes and you know pay this mana cost. That's the only question I have about this card because I think it's very, very good. Uh, I, I would imagine that most of the black aggro-ish decks are splashing Fable at this point, and that can always like solo you to seven mana. So sure, that's a great point. Also, like, how does this interact with like if my opponent plays a removal spell targeting this and I pump it in some way? Do they then have to pay the higher ward cost? Uh, so ward goes on the stack. Yep. So the ward will trigger, and I believe it will check on resolution. Resolution. So if they, if that would they be my target Ward triggers happens. You respond to that with like giant growth or whatever. Yep. Yeah. That that sounds like a potentially cool line and something that, you know, if I'm looking to make an aggressive black deck, I, I might be doing by accident anyway. Things like equipping this in some way could matter. You know, what was the really cool black aggressive card that had like... Uh, There's like Blade of the Oni that makes it a 5-5. Five five. Yeah, I was thinking the one that's not legal anymore. That's like three mana gets... Plus four, one in flying, I think. And you can oh, play like from the, the, the demonic embrace thing. Demonic embrace, yeah, yeah, yeah. A card like that would push this to the freaking moon. Uh, any any effect like that is going to be really impactful for this card. Uh, splitting the power stone to you, sorcery, as an additional cost to cast this second artifact. Create two tap power stone tokens. If the sacrificed artifact was legendary, draw a card. I don't know what you're supposed to do with this. The the payout is large, like like plus two mana for. Three is way above what we usually get. Yeah, sack of blood, whatever. Uh, I'm not sure if there's like a cheap legendary thing that you're supposed to sack, but maybe Maybe. this either does nothing or it's broken. That's that's probably where this card falls. Uh, Artifacts uh, are the three that we talked about last time. Astronaut Harvester, two for a three-one artifact creature construct. Whenever this attacks, exile target card from a graveyard on Earth One B. Not uh, bad for an uncommon, honestly. Yeah, uh, pretty reasonable. Happy to see more incidental graveyard hate. Yep. And then in the lands, we have the other four missing pain lands. So yep. hell yeah, knew they were coming. Good Did we? Confirmed here. I think we, so. I, I think they know. just said they were coming, right? I don't know. Maybe I don't know we got these full art kaiju lands, which we already talked about. Showcase frames as we scroll down. Do we know about these? Maybe not these exact implementations, but I know that they talked about the doing things like the ivory tower and then having the ivory tower where it's like the blueprints version and they're all going to mm-hmm. be old bordered and, and whatnot. So a couple of cool ones here, a couple of ones I could see potentially the worm coil looks cool. I think that one might've already been revealed too. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, like, there's stuff like Phyrexian revoker, Lodestone golem, whatever. Scrolling down, seeing some Charbelter. full arts, seeing <laughs> some Brothers War commander cards where there's another Urza and another Mishra. Yeah, obviously. Because of course there is. And then as we continue to scroll down, we get to the most important part of the set, the Transformers part, where we get things like Goldbug, Humanity's Ally, and Megatron, Tyrant. Those are the cards everyone's waiting for out of the Brothers Wait, War. Wait, what, what about Blaster Combat DJ? Uh, I'm sure Blaster Combat DJ is going to be a huge hit. I don't know. I will be building my Starscream Power Hungry Commander deck, and that's mostly where my focus lies for this previous season. But uh, so it's a five mana three three. Or you're uh, reading the card? That's no, 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 hold on, hold this on. is dangerous territory. Hold on, five mana three three legendary artifact creature robot more yeah. than meets the eye. One RG. You may cast this card converted for one RG. Uh, other non-token artifact creatures and vehicles you control have modular one. Whenever you put one or more plus one plus one counters on blaster, convert it. <laughs> what, what happens when you convert it? I, I don't know. Oh, do we not know that yet? No. What if I click it? No, I mean, uh, no, sure, it tells I'm, me. It tells me when I click on it. It becomes. I, I, I think it's. I think it's funnier if we don't know. I think it's funnier if we don't know. Okay. Send us your converted version of Blaster Combat DJ. What would you have this card do? Uh, will it be as good as this beautiful version that has been put together for us? by Wizard of the Coast. Oh, man. Anything else, man? Any other news? No. No news. Uh, we have to we have to figure out some kind of plan for next week because I will be traveling. I leave on Wednesday of next week to go to San Jose for Flesh and Blood Worlds, which I am very excited about. Uh, doing some casting with uh, one, of, one of my, uh, I would say, OG influences in the esports 
Realm, going to be casting alongside Doa, who I watched cast Korean League of Legends for years and years. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's really cool. And just generally excited about Worlds. We're getting close to full preview season for the first Flesh and Blood set I ever worked on. So more and more things are trickling out. Uh, big set of previews dropping about three days from now that I'm really stoked for people to see. So uh, exciting times. A lot, a lot of projects that I've had my fingers in finally getting revealed over the next couple of weeks. And uh, I'm excited for it. That is the best part about game design, hands yep. down. For is sure. Seeing how people interact with the thing that you've built, even even if it is just like previews and stuff and seeing how yep. how excited they are and what are the things that actually hit them very well because it it inevitably ends up being a thing that you didn't even think was necessarily going to resonate as much. Oh, absolutely. But, so Absolutely. And it's it's also so interesting too because like this is just happening. Like this is finally coming to fruition and like I said it's the first thing I ever worked on for Flesh and Blood. So this is basically like ancient history to me and we're putting finishing touches on the distant future now so like my right. head has been entirely plugged into the distant future and this is now just being revealed. It, it's a real uh, Teferi temporal mind-fucking type situation. <laughs> um, and then I have to go commentate Worlds, which is like the, the previous format. So I my entire fear is just oh, yeah. like, please, please don't say the name of a card that does not exist yet. That's all I that's all I tell myself every single round. So. I I somehow managed to avoid that. Yeah, that's good. I'm not sure how. I don't think I was like in it as much as you were. Like I wasn't also doing commentary, I don't think, while I was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I guess I like worked at Wizards, got out, and then started doing commentary immediately after that. Yep. So yep. yeah, it was kind of in the in a similar situation. But no, dude, that that is awesome. It is it is very much like, you know, you've already cashed your paychecks or whatever, but like this this is the good reward. Oh yeah, for sure. So that's great. Uh other thing is the Magic Online decklists are back up. Oh yeah, and they actually did a really good job with the site. Uh, like it, it's, it goes back super far now. It yeah, it's the same page. Um, yep. for better or for worse. So like, it, for example, you know, we're recording on the twenty seventh. The deck list they have posted are from the twenty sixth. But you can scroll all the way down to October first, which, well, I mean, I guess it it preempted the search bar or whatever to just be the month of October. But like, that's the other thing is like, there's a search bar. It's super basic, mm -hmm. but it's something you don't something. have to. Yeah. Re like reload a bunch of pages to like get everything on the page. You can search uh, by month, by year. And then I haven't really tested this functionality, but just like by card, maybe like let's search for brainstorm. Were you rewarded with brainstorm deck lists? I don't know. It's loading. It's, it's taken a while. Okay. You broke it. Popper League, Legacy Challenge, Vintage Challenge, Vintage League. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So I, I guess the only thing different would be like, well, what if I do like Brainstorm plus Legacy? Oh, it doesn't like the plus. When I put the plus sign in, it's like, nope, red, red, yeah, just, red. Just shuts down. <laughs> Please match the requested format. Okay, so that doesn't work. So like, you know, it could be a little bit, it could be a little bit better, but you're like, oh, I really want to find this deck with, you know, like Temeshi or whatever that well, I remember seeing. Yeah, let, let me tell you what I think the most exciting thing is. And I don't know if this is true. I haven't tested it myself. I've heard the results go back to like 2014. Is that true? Well, you can get the year back to 2015. Okay. I mean, if, if you can pull up deck lists from 2015, that's, a, that's actually a really, really cool feature. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're all here. So, I mean, this was basically when Magic Online started doing this because that yeah. was when uh, – you know, like goldfish, I don't know if that's when they started or whatever, but like, that's basically when their stuff goes back to, you know, like if you do mm -hmm. a username search for goldfish, it'll bring back decks from this era where it's like, these are, these are like the four round uh, daily events, you know? This is a really big deal for nerds like us who are like, oh, remember this card? Was it played at all? You know, do you remember this deck? Yeah, and we're dude, actually able to is, go find it again. This is actually just good content, right? Like I did a thing. Uh, I was like streaming to the Discord, I think. It might have been one, one of the times I was like playing Pokemon or something. And Matt in our Discord just like started posting some of my old deck lists and just being basically being like, you know, explain yourself or whatever. And so <laughs> Why? then Why I was just, I was just like, okay, uh, I get to guess like 
when this tournament was and what I was thinking and like why the card choices I played were and like, that was awesome. And then there were some where he posted where I was just like, dude, I have no idea. I swear to God, I never <laughs> played a deck list this bad. Like I swear. Right. But this is another kind of one of those things where it's like, you could say, let's do June. Well, it's not really working, but um, you know, June, 2017, just like pick, pick a year and a month. Well, the first ones that pop up are, are vintage and limited. So that's not great. Oh, there's a lot of them. Holy crap. Dude, you can search for usernames too. Oh, okay. That's yeah. that's a big game. I am I, I I search for my own one of my own usernames and I'm I'm currently scrolling through a tournament. Uh, I also see Yoast with the most in here. So Austin Yoast. Yeah, uh, so- Nathan Stewart in the top eight of this particular BTQ. So went on to do some very good things. I think qualified for world. Yes. Okay. Look, look, I know so many people at uh, Worlds. I'm so Stoyer. Stoyer. I'm sorry, Nathan. It's fine. He doesn't listen as far as I know. So, okay, uh, good. yeah, June, June 2017. It's like, I, I didn't do this on purpose, but uh, well, that was apparently Omicad standard, you know? So I'm seeing like mm-hmm. some vehicles decks, and then we can just go through the nostalgia machine, right? Dude, this is, this is good. I could waste a lot of time, a lot of time with this. So that's, that's cool. That is, that's, Probably some good content. Maybe uh, if I'm feeling frisky, uh, I could do something with the Discord peeps or something. I don't know. But I'm also just like about to pack up <laughs> my, my PC and everything. So not, so not a great time this, for that. But maybe this, in a is under, this is under future content. It's yeah. okay. It, the fact that this existed, though, is, is very cool. And I am happy to close yet another episode with positive things to say about Magic the Gathering. Yeah, preview cards are fine. Worlds is happening, which, you know, cool, but also some downsides there. Good luck. Have fun to the folks playing and everything. Turns out your cat does have a home, but yeah. kind of sad, but also like likes you more, which is kind of cool. Like it's nice. Yeah, it's, to, it's rewarding. Yeah. Rewarding outcome. Uh, you got a bunch of flesh and blood stuff coming up. Yeah. Uh, preview cards are pretty reasonable. Cool. Everything's good. Yeah. And, and, Blaster Combat DJ is out there waiting to build decks around. So yeah, I mean, we could just not talk about that, but, you know, uh, whatever. Okay. Game. Good luck.